Good morning. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live online at www.wvew.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. On the air every Sunday at noon, we are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests, not the radio station. This is Becca Polk. I am an educator in Springfield, Vermont, and also work with the Spark Teacher Training Program. Hi, I'm Caridad. I am an educator and an activist down in Western Massachusetts, and I also work with the Spark Teacher Program. And so I just want to give a shout out. This is Caridad's first time as a host on the radio program, and she'll be, you'll be hearing from her a lot more. Thanks, Becca. And we're also, you know, learning a lot of technology doing this, recording Indigo Radio for the first time from home, and hopefully it works out that it gets on the air today. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about mutual aid in the era of COVID-19. How can we work towards solidarity, not charity? We interviewed Story from Western Mass Community Mutual Aid Network and Eva from Out in the Open, an organization based in Brattleboro, working to connect rural LGBTQ people to build community, visibility, knowledge, and power. This will be part one of a series in which we'll be continuing to add more as stories of mutual aid organizing emerge in this time of crisis. And so now we'll go into a song break, and we're going to play I'm Gonna Walk It With You by Brian Claflin and Ellie Grace. Well, it looks like it might be a hard road, but I'm gonna walk it with you. And no, you might have a heavy load, but I can carry some too. I will lift you up when they push you down. I will raise my voice and stand my ground. Well, it looks like it might be a hard road, but I'm gonna walk it with you. And it looks like it might be a long night, but I ain't going nowhere. And I know it's gonna be a hard fight, but I will stay right here. I will shine a light in the darkest hour. I will face the man in the tallest tower. Well, it looks like it might be a long night, but I ain't going nowhere. I will work. I will fight. I will strive in the name of love. I will speak. I will shout. I will sing it to the skies above. Well, it looks like it might be a perilous climb, but I will follow your lead. And I know it might a long time until the last one of us is free but i will hold on tight stay by your side i will be with you for this whole damn ride well it looks like it might be a perilous climb but i will follow your lead 
Well, it looks like it might be a hard road, but I'm gonna walk it with you. And I know you might have a heavy load, but I can carry some too. I will lift you up when they push you down. I will raise my voice and stand my ground. Well, it looks like it might be a hard road, but I'm gonna walk it with you. That's right. I'm gonna walk it with you. I'm gonna walk it with you. I will walk. I will climb. Shine my light the whole night through. Because it looks like it might be a hard road, but I'm gonna walk it with you. Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM Brattleboro Community Radio Station. Today we are talking about mutual aid to learn from both history and current experiences about how people are organizing to support one another. So, Cardad, you've been involved in some of the mutual aid organizing in Western Mass. Can you talk a little bit about what mutual aid is to you? Sure. Right off the bat, for me, mutual aid is about cooperation and not competition. Mm. It's about people coming together to meet each other's basic needs because we know and acknowledge that the capitalist system we live in is not going to do that. It never has and it never will. So right now in Western Mass and all over the country, and I would say all over the world, there's a growing, developing mass movement of mutual aid volunteers who are creating social and political structures so we can take care of each other. The COVID-19 pandemic, for me, is a crucial historical moment where we can seize the power to change the material conditions by creating new social relations that are more survivable and permanent. And people are just jumping in as they find out about the work. Um, it's exciting, it's hopeful, and I just feel like people are really poised at this moment to seize our power and to change things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things about mutual aid is that it blames the capitalist system for poverty. Unlike charity, that is a system of control that actually blames the poor, mm. right? So mutual aid, the structures of cooperation are horizontal, not hierarchical. And it's about solidarity. It's about liberation and participation, mm-hmm. right? And so in a charitable system, it's a system of competitive moralizing rhetoric, right? That really has a religious foundation historically and that determines that some people are morally lesser than the rich due to their own faults, right? So it kind of acts like it's generous, but in fact, it upholds the capitalist system, which makes people poor. Mm-hmm. And we know that. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, our program is about mutual aid and solidarity, right? Not charity. Mm. So those are the two differences uh, between those two things. And um, I'm really excited about being able to do this work right now and working with new people and building and reaching out and just helping each other survive during this time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So Becca. Um, can you describe your thoughts about mutual aid and maybe give us some examples historically? Sure. And I think it's important to note that um, the aims of mutual aid are horizontal about solidarity. We know that in practice, 
it's a work in progress. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so I think it's important that we continue to study examples of history, both the mistakes that have been made, but also the lessons learned. Um, yes. And one of the um, first times that I have read about mutual aid was actually in Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. And there he talks about Chinese Workers Mutual Aid Association rising up in the 1930s. <clears throat> because in San Francisco at the time, Chinese workers were separated from a lot of the unions um, uh, because of the racism that exists in this country. And so these mutual aid associations formed as a way to unite Chinese workers with other workers. And so um, their motto was, through cooperation and exchange of experiences, we will improve the conditions of all. So they really saw that when some workers are not treated well, all workers are, can have the potential to not be treated well. Um, and so seeing people as interconnected, I feel like is a big foundation and principle of mutual aid work. Yes. And, you know, in the 1930s, there were, um, at the end of 1932, there were 330 um, self-help organizations in 37 states with over 300,000 members. Wow. And so the big idea was that it was working class people that were organizing themselves to meet their needs because they knew that the businesses and they knew that the governments weren't going to give them what they needed. Um, and so they were very clear and class conscious that they were the only ones who could meet their needs as working people. And so a couple examples, the Seattle Fishermen's Union exchanged with farmers and there were 20, 22 locals in Seattle that all did like a goods exchange so that they could produce their own things in exchange with each other without having to go through the market. Um, and another really cool example was in Pennsylvania, there were bootleg coal miners who were going in and building small mines on company property. And they were taking the coal and going and selling it to the people below price. Like, cause they weren't raising the prices to make a profit. They were selling it for exactly what it should cost. So they were, the workers were getting money and people were benefiting cause they could buy coal at a cheaper cost. And so in this small town, I don't remember what the town was in Pennsylvania. Um, but when they, when the like authorities, when the state tried to prosecute them, Local juries would not convict them and local jailers would not imprison them. So this wow. was like an example of the whole town coming together in mutual aid. And solidarity. And solidarity for the interests of working people. Yes. Yeah. So those are just a couple examples. Hopefully next week on our show we can bring in more historical examples. Absolutely. Thanks, Becca. Yeah. And so we're going to actually play a clip um, it's from the website Big Door Brigade, and it's um, talking about what is meant by mutual aid. Cardad, before I go to the clip, is there anything else you want to add? No, let's go straight to the clip. Okay, great. fast forward a little I forgot about that there was kind of a long intro so let's see if I can get fast forward <laughs> I don't want to wait till the next election 
I don't want to just write my congressperson and hope that they'll do the right thing. I don't want to just post things to the vacuum of social media. I don't want to just make statements about things. I want to change how things are. There are a zillion things we can do, and people are coming up with new ones all the time. This video is going to focus on mutual aid projects, what they are, and why we should be developing them right now. Mutual aid projects are a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions, not just through symbolic acts or putting pressure on their representatives and government, but by actually building new social relations that are more survivable. During recent flooding and storms, we saw mutual aid in action as people helped each other survive. Mutual aid isn't just for those big weather disasters, it is also for the daily routine, life-threatening disasters of capitalism and white supremacy. People who are pissed about police and prisons are doing mutual aid work like creating prison letter writing projects, where people get connected to pen pals in prison to build relationships, help prepare for release, help prisoners have advocates on the outside, and help build a movement against policing in prisons that is informed and led by the people who know the very most about how the system actually works. Some people are creating jail support programs where people get together to make a schedule and agree to be outside their local jail on that schedule and greet anyone getting out and help them get what they need. Maybe a ride, clothes, a phone to call contacts, information about services or benefits. Some people are organizing community bail funds, revolving funds that can pay people's bail so that they are not locked up while they try to prepare for their defense. Money bail systems are one of the ways that poor people and people of color are given the worst chances in the criminal system. Court support projects are where people coordinate to accompany someone facing charges to their court dates, ideally by packing the court with supporters each time, so that no one has to go alone, and sometimes to influence lawyers, judges, and jury by showing their support for the criminalized person. Some people are coordinating ride systems to help families visit prisoners who are being held in facilities far from home. In Oakland, the Oakland Power Projects are about strengthening people's skills to respond to community emergencies in ways that minimize police contact. When you call 911 for a health emergency, the cops come too, and that often leads to violence. The Oakland Power Projects is about training the community to respond to health emergencies, including mental health crises, chronic health problems, and acute health emergencies, so that people don't have to call 911. People who are scared about the emboldenment of ICE and Border Patrol and increasing deportations are doing things like forming rapid response networks where people warn each other about immigration raids and help each other hide, and helping immigrants do safety planning in case they get detained so that someone is ready to take care of their kids and elders. Some rapid response projects are even working on training people to show up and physically stop ICE from taking someone away. Imagine if we built that kind of power to stop arrests through rapid mobilization of a lot of people to outnumber cops. No More Deaths, an organization in Arizona, works to save the lives of people crossing the border by putting food, water, and supplies in the harsh desert areas where people who are crossing often die from the conditions. There are so many mutual aid project possibilities because there are so many intense ways people aren't having their needs met in the brutal systems we live under. Like food projects like Food Not Bombs, projects where people organize temporary housing for people coming out of prison or foster care by opening their homes to each other, Child care collectives where people watch each other's kids so they can go to political meetings, court, or jobs. Projects where people accompany vulnerable people, like trans people or people with disabilities, to medical appointments or public benefits offices and hearings. Projects where people make sure neighbors being pushed out by gentrification have good access to information about their housing rights and accompany each other to housing court, help people read documents and defend themselves from eviction. Projects where people protest landlords who are refusing to make repairs or give back security deposits by directly protesting at those landlords' houses and businesses. 
messages of this work are the government can't rely on it. You are not alone. The system is the problem, not the person being targeted by it. And we're going to take matters into our own hands and help each other survive right now, rather than expecting help from the same systems that have a clear history of causing harm. Mutual aid projects don't just help with the current disasters, they help us prepare for the ongoing disasters that are emerging because of climate chaos and crumbling infrastructure. When we build cooperative projects, practice making decisions together, share things, meet more people in our communities and learn about each other's skills and needs, and learn how current systems work and how they are not working, we're better prepared for the next storm, the next blackout, and the next budget cuts. Something really important about all this is that mutual aid is not charity. Charity is where rich people and institutions give tiny crumbs to poor people to make themselves look better. Usually there are a lot of strings attached to what they give, like giving only to mothers or only to children, only to sober people or only to people of faith. Charity rides on the idea that rich people or social workers should decide who is a deserving poor and who is the undeserving poor, and that rich people can put conditions on the housing or food or cash they give poor people. Charity blames poor people for poverty. Mutual aid blames the system for making people poor and says everyone deserves everything they need. Charity affirms the existing distribution of wealth and life chances. Mutual aid challenges it. Charity is top-down, mutual aid is horizontal. Charity is about control, hierarchy, and isolation. Mutual aid is about solidarity, liberation, and participation. So I'm going to... Um... Stop the video there, but we will bring it, put it on our Facebook page for people to watch the rest of the video. Um, thanks, Cardad, for finding that. That was really informative. Cool. So now? Yep, we're going to go to a song break. Um, Cardad, can you tell us about what the song is that we're going to play next? Yes, the, so the song is called Como la Cigarra. And it's by Mercedes Sosa. And um, the song is in Spanish and it talks about struggle and survival. And that's pretty much what it's about. So um, let's go to it. Como la cigarra, Mercedes Sosa. Great. Poeta argentino. Tantas veces me mataron, tantas veces me morí. Sin embargo, estoy aquí resucitando. Gracias, estoy a la desgracia y a la mano con puñal porque me mató tan mal. Y seguí cantando, cantando al sol. Como la cigarra, después de un año bajo la tierra, igual que sobreviviente, que vuelve de la guerra. 
Tantas veces me borraron, tantas desaparecí A mi propio entierro fui sola y llorando Hice un nudo en el pañuelo Pero me olvidé después que no era la única vez Y seguí cantando Cantando al sol como la cigarra Después de un año bajo la tierra, igual que sobreviviente, que vuelve de la guerra. Tantas veces te mataron, tantas resucitarás, cuántas noches pasarás desesperando. la oscuridad alguien te rescatará para ir cantando cantando al sol como la cigarra después de un año bajo la tierra igual que sobreviviente que vuelve de la Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro Community Radio Station. Today we are talking about mutual aid to learn from both history and current experiences about how people are organizing to support one another. And so we're going to go to an interview from Eva. Um, she's part of Out in the Open, which is an organization based in Brattleboro, that is working to connect rural LGBTQ people and build community, visibility, knowledge, and power. Hi, Eva. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Thanks so much for joining us on Indigo Radio. We have Eva from Out in the Open. Um, could you start by just telling us a little bit about the work that Out in the Open is doing during this time? Yeah, definitely, and thank you all so much for the work that you all are doing. Um, at Out in the Open, we're doing a number of different things. Like so many organizations in this area, we are thinking about ways that we can support our community members. And so we're doing that in a number of different ways. One is shifting our in-person programming to be um, – virtual. We know that it's really important for us as a rural LGBT community organization to continue to support our community members now more than ever. And so our regular programming is continuing um, just online. We also have a rural queer community care mutual aid uh, offers list. Um, this is a space for folks who have offers or who have needs uh, can share what they're offering and folks of needs can look and directly contact people in our rural LGBTQ community um, who can offer those support. We are also maintaining a mutual aid list, a resource list, with resources for folks uh, around rural New England. 
Additionally, we've been in close contact with a lot of our ally organizations, such as the Root Social Justice Center, as ways that we can be in connection and collaboration during this time. Um, we know that, um, like I said, connecting and being in community together is really important right now. And just because we can't physically be together doesn't mean that we can't provide space for each other to be to be supported in this time. So we've been having additional programming such as a rural LGBTQ video drop-in and hangout as a space for folks to uh, be in community together, share needs and requests together. We are also having our regular programming like We Wake Up Like This, um, which is a meditation group um, and uh, some video virtual yoga offerings as well. Um, so those are some of the things that we've been doing and just knowing that we're, we're working here as a community to, to build to build resources in this time because we know that this is unprecedented for our community um, and around the world. Absolutely. It's so important to keep connected during this time. Um, and I'm wondering if there are people who want to access your programming, what the best way for them to do that is. Yeah, definitely. There's a number of different ways. Um, check out our social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we are out in the open. And then also our website at weareoutintheopen.org is a wonderful ways to keep up with our uh, ever-emergent programming right now and resources right now. That's wonderful. I know a couple of students that I'm definitely going to share this with. So thank you all so much for that work. Yeah, definitely. And so I know, Eva, that you've also been involved in mutual aid work in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the experiences that you've had? Yeah, definitely. So I a little bit of background about myself is that I'm a recent Vermont transplant and have been living in central Appalachia before this. And well, well done. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and I um, have done a lot of work over the years with Mountain Justice, uh, which is a group in central Appalachia that has for um, many years been doing mutual aid and direct action support um, around folks being in, who have been impacted by resource extraction. And an example of some projects that have happened through uh, Mountain Justice is in 2014 when West Virginia had a massive uh, chemical spill into the waterways where most of the West Virginian population lost access to the ability to drink uh, clean water. Um, uh, we organized mutual aid networks of supporting direct emergency water uh, drop-offs to all the local haulers uh, and communities in, in that area. And, you know, for, for us and for myself, mutual aid is about um, voluntary reciprocal participatory assistance among equals and being with and not for folks who are uh, experiencing critical needs. So I, can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, for me it comes from, I don't, have you heard of um, the concept of solidarity, not charity? Yes, but it would be yeah. great for you to 
say more about that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in this time and always, when thinking about what mutual aid is, it's coming from a place of, like I said, this this typical space. Um, so we're coming from the lens that um, our liberations are tied together. Um, so this is not, you know, when doing mutual aid work, it is not about I have something to give you who can't do what you uh, need to do. It is about we can lever, leverage our work together. Um, so we can, you know, think about who has access to materials and leverage those access to materials. We can think about who has freedom of movement and access that freedom of movement and skills and knowledge and know that we all have something to give um, and, and share and receive. Um, and so um, that's partly what, uh, what I mean by solidarity, not charity, rather than um, charity, which is, um, in my experience, charity is giving from a place of believing that somebody cannot help themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've been talking with my students this week, um, we've been doing online forums and, like, responding to each other's thoughts through writing. And one of the things that's come up a lot is that how the – the grocery stores are wiped out. And I feel right. like um, it's this idea that, like, every man for themselves mentality that we're taught in the U.S. that is kind of the opposite of what you're saying right now. Um, and then there's this Facebook group that started in Springfield that is, like, now we're going to give resources back to people, even though we could have hmm. just, like, left them to, there to begin with. Um, so it's a really interesting um, – Really, like a lot of interesting things are coming up for me about um, what this teaches us about our society, and I'm wondering if you have any reflections, both from the work that you've done in the past, but also your current work now, about how these moments of crisis and the mutual aid work that happens. What what can it teach us about the world we live in? Yeah, definitely. And I think from your example, I think about um, how we're really seeing what like our scarcity mentality like being triggered and you know that the the response around hoarding or scarcity mentality is like rooted in so many different levels of whether that's intergenerational trauma from so many different uh community cultural perspectives or otherwise and I think some of the things that I'm really thinking about about a lot lately are um, both slowing down. I think that this virus is asking our society to slow down in a really deep way. And so I've been reflecting on that a lot. And I think that that also um, pairs with how we think about mutual aid and how we think about organizing for collective liberation, how we think about organizing so that people can have their needs met all the time. Um, because that's what I'm working for. I'm working for not just this moment now, but thinking about how this moment is a magnification of what our society is designed for right now. Um, and so thinking about how um, we can work to slowly dismantle the systems of oppression. Um, and with, you know, with both our work with Out in the Open, we think about 
thank you so much, Eva, for talking with Indigo Radio today. And um, we'll link to the work that you all are doing on our Facebook page. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Becca. Bye. Okay, so now we're going to go into our third song break. Um, the title of this song is Bella Ciao, and in the English language that means goodbye beautiful. And this song is an Italian protest folk song that originated in the hardships of the Mondina women, the paddy field workers in the late 19th century, who sang it to protest against harsh working conditions in the paddy fields of North Italy. And the song was adopted as the anthem of the anti-fascist resistance by the Italian partisans between 1943 and 1945 during the Italian resistance against the Nazi German forces that were occupying Italy at that time. So this version actually was performed recently. Um, we call it the Balcony Sax Performance, and it was performed on the balconies of Italy while they struggle and continue to survive um, of the COVID-19.
Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro Community Radio Station. Today we are talking about mutual aid to learn from both history and current experiences about how people are organizing to support one another. And now we're going to go to an interview with Story from Western Mass Community Mutual Aid Network. About that. <laughs> okay, great. To all our listeners on Indigo Radio, we have Story from Western Mass Community Mutual Aid Network. And welcome, Story. We're really glad to have you on the show. Hi, thanks. Glad to be here. Great. So tell us uh, a little bit about how um, Western Mass Massachusetts Community Mutual Aid Network started. And also, if you can tell us what's happening right now. Sure. Um, well, it started with a friend and I talking um, about, I mean, just about the crisis of what's going on. We are both uh, organizer types that care a lot about mutual aid in daily life. And, um, you know, we just didn't see a lot happening. And we knew that vulnerable populations would be left behind by this crisis. So we were just talking, like, what can we possibly do? And we were like, well, let's let's just start a mutual aid network. So I just started the Slack and then posted it in a single group on Facebook, and it very rapidly grew to hundreds in a matter of days. Um, currently, we have self-organized into a series of different Teams, I guess I would say uh, there's 900 more than 900 people have joined the network, which is pretty awesome. We've actually had to do some work to slow down the rapid influx just so that we can make sure everyone gets plugged in. Um, wow, that sounds great, though. Yeah, it's it is really awesome. Um, so we we have a sort of dual system going on. We have people who we call NPPs. Uh, neighborhood Point people, we took that from the Somerville Medford Group's Mutual Aid um, Network. And so Neighborhood Point people build communication networks in their own neighborhood. Um, and then we also have this Slack channel, or this Slack workspace, rather, with various channels with a different project. So we have town organizers, and then we also have project organizers. And, for example, we have a financial aid group, and we just launched a um, uh, – um, I cannot think of the word right now – donation system. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what it is. I'm on that financial aid team, so that's great. A contribution, yeah. a contribution um, form, yeah. Yeah, to provide people financial aid. Um, we just launched a website, and we'll be launching a hotline in conjunction with the Pioneer Valley Workers Center. We'll be, we'll be using their hotline. Um, they have graciously extended um, their team uh, to combine efforts. Um, yeah. That's, That's phenomenal. That right now. We'll expand. Yeah, that is just phenomenal. The way it um, it came together and how quickly it expanded, and it just shows how people are just like really poised. 
Yeah. I think we're lucky here, too, because there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of activity uh, between, like, the Western Mass Trans Asylum Support Network and the Pioneer Valley Workers Center and, I mean, a myriad of other activist groups. So we've been sort of primed for something like this for a while, and that's why I call it a network, because we're not rein, we're not inventing this. Like, this already exists. We're just working to get everybody networked and trying to, yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thing you just said. Um, I think this is probably right, like a great moment to bring all these um, different um, grassroots groups and organizations, right, collectively that have been working. And um, this is a great moment to like build a movement, you know, of solidarity amongst those organizations and groups. And um, yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> this is really exciting. Um, because, it, you know, it looks like we're going to be able to build some really great work that um, um, will go right into the future, right? Become tremendous. Yeah. This came, definitely came out of, like, a reaction to an emergent need, but, but I really hope that we can carry this forward into the future and that's why focusing on the neighborhood pods, I think, is really important. And that's why I think that this important work is happening, because it's actually constructing those relationships that we, I mean, not everybody is missing them, but that many places are missing. Um, yeah. Great. And all the questions. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, also just working hard to try to bridge the gap between the upper and the lower valley. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that point. So, um, did you want to say a little more about that? Um, about the upper and lower valley? You just mentioned that. Did you want to, like, give a little explanation about what that means? Well, um, I mean, so, like, the Northampton area is, is very white and English-speaking and has a lot of resources financially and materially. Um, that is really disconnected from, say, the immigrant community, which is overwhelmingly Holyoke and Springfield area. Um, so just trying to connect people who have a lot to offer to people who are in need um, in an effective way. We're still, we're still working on that because, you know, there's a lot of organizations that already have those bases. So really we're just sort of focusing in on, on the networking side of things right now. Got it. So how um, is um, Western Mass Community Mutual Aid working with other groups? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so so like I mentioned, um, the Pioneer Valley Worker Center has offered to utilize their hotline um, to field some incoming calls. Um, and there are several people from the Pioneer Valley Workers Center who are in the slack as well, um, helping either being neighborhood point people um, or in some of these other projects. And um, the, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot what they were called, the Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah, Pioneer Valley Democratic Socialists. There's a lot of folks from that organization in here. Um, Neighbor to neighbor, jobs with justice. Um, we're all just 
there's a lot of people that have come from a lot of different groups. This is just sort of like an amalgamation of all these different efforts that do all this same work. And um, we've, we have state, statewide calls and regional calls where all of these different folks from these different organizations get together and we troubleshoot and figure out where we can work together, how we overlap, etc. And we've definitely had a lot of overlap with neighbor to neighbor and have started to work more closely with them. Um, but it's it's ongoing, you know. Uh, we're still learning how we can get more integrated, but... That's great. And um, can you, before we move on, can you explain to our listeners uh, a little bit about Slack? What exactly is Slack? Sure. Slack is a workspace organization chat room, basically. It's like this giant chat room that has smaller chat rooms inside of it. Um, so it's a program that you can use just online, like slack.com. You can download an app on your phone, and there's also a desktop app. So basically, you start channels, for example, uh, emotional support or announcements, etc. And you can join the channels, and so you can kind of organize um, what you're talking about where, and that I find that really helpful. And you can also integrate other apps like like a Google Calendar or um, task management tools. And it's very customizable. Great. Thanks for that. So I'd like to ask, what are some of the challenges that you have come across so far as you engage in this work, and what are some of the lessons learned? Well... It's hard to think about challenges because um, I think this whole thing has been quite a challenge, um, but I enjoy challenges, so I don't really think about them that way. But I think mostly it's just getting ourselves organized. Like with, There were 500 people in this group within a matter of days, and now there's 900, so just trying to figure out how to draw people in and how to how to organize actionable things within each of these channels, but then also maintain communication between all of these channels. That has been a challenge. Um, and the other challenge is pulling out, I, uh, I guess, leadership, for lack of a better word, um, just like trying to pay attention to all these hundreds of conversations, you know, and then like see who has the, who is just like doing a lot of the work and then pulling them into a team of coordinators. Um, but it was messy. It was just really messy at first because there was just so much going on and a lot of energy, you know, everyone wanted to help and everyone wanted it to be immediate, but this is a slow build and, you know, the crisis hasn't quite hit us here super hard yet, so we're we're sort of building this and then waiting. So trying to, like, harness that energy and, like, slow things down has actually, I think, been one of the biggest challenges. Um, and the other challenge is making sure that we're not reinventing the wheel and then making sure that we are taking the time to get connected and find who has been doing a lot of the same work and make sure that we get connected with them. Okay. Can you think of some, I mean, I think you kind of talked a little bit of what some of the 
learned? Is there anything else you want to add to lessons learned? Well, we're learning lessons every day. <laughs> a lot of this is trial and error. You know, we're just we're learning on the fly as we go. Um, we're working really hard to make sure that our website and forms to apply for help and find resources are easier and more accessible. Um, but everything is just an ongoing conversation. So just staying open to feedback and changing as you get the feedback is really important. Great, thank you. So um, what are your thoughts on next steps to keep building this movement collectively? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think we just need to keep reaching out to our neighbors, really. I think it's as simple as that. Um, expanding our neighborhood networks is going to be really critical in the coming days to building this collectively. Um, yeah, I think that's the main part of this whole thing. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you, sorry. Um, I also want to say I'm excited and really um, looking forward to continuing to work with you and all the other people and groups that are, are doing this in Western Massachusetts and across the state. And I would say across the globe, right? Because these things are happening all over the world right now on many different levels. Uh, people coming together to help uh, each other and to support each other. Um, to, to all our listeners on Indigo Radio, um, we've been here talking with Story from Western Mass Community Mutual Aid Network. And Story, once again, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. And I look forward to continuing working with you as well. Great. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is Indigo Radio on WVEW LP Brattleboro. Our show today has been about mutual aid and how do we learn from both history and current experiences about how people are organizing to support one another. Cardad, I thought we'd go to song and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. How does that sound? Sounds great. So the powerful song that we're going to play right now is performed no problem, <laughs> is performed by the Resistance Revival Chorus, and it's titled Rich Man's House.
So nice. you've been listening to Indigo Radio. We're just at the end of our show, but Cardad, I wanted to know some of your thoughts after listening to our interviews about um, what we've learned about mutual aid and final thoughts that you have for our show today. Um, I just want to say that amidst this, right, very, in many ways, very horrific um, capitalist pandemic, COVID-19, um, I am very moved and I'm very hopeful about um, so many people coming out to um, take care of each other and to organize Right, and to take this time to do that. And I gotta tell you, I am working day and night. We are working day and night. And um, there's really no time, right, to slip back into those old narratives. And even though we do, right, and we slip back into like old narratives around individualism and stuff, this work is allowing us to step out of that and to check ourselves um, regularly because we're so involved in helping each other. And I think that that is the difference between mutual aid and charity, mm -hmm. right? That we have the opportunity to be continuously working to change the system because the system never stops and it never sleeps, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, so when there's a lot of us working together and cooperatively and you know, consistently checking ourselves. Um, there's so much that we can do. And um, I'm, so I'm excited mm -hmm. about this. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's making me think, like, I love that song. I went into the rich man's house and stole back, or took back what was stolen from me. Yeah. And I just feel like unless we're building um, a critical analysis... Um, of the world we live in, we don't really know what the world is that we want to build. Um, yes. And so I I just hope that through all of this uh, mutual aid organizing, that people continue to reflect on um, the social relations we're in right now, but also the ones in which we want to build, that like really oppose the system that puts profit over people. Um, I was on a call yesterday, Science for the People in Western Mass, and um, we were just talking about what is health during this time. It's not just the health care industry that we have. That's not what health is. Health is adequate housing. Health is adequate food for everyone. And I think that first video that we listened to reminds us that actually under capitalism, we are always in crisis. And we should always be organizing like this for one another because um, everyone should have what they need. Um, and so I know me, even in the rain today, I'm going out to continue building the gardens up here in Springfield. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, we're, we're thinking about it always. I like that point you made about capitalism always being in crisis. And I think we need to, to know that. And so it is a system that is built on crisis, right? It profits from crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yes, we absolutely have to create the social relations and the material conditions so that we can um, be prepared mm -hmm. and poised to respond and simultaneously build the new. 
because that's what we're looking for, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, got to seize this moment, man. Power to the people. Yeah. So we will link to all of this, um, put all the links up on our Facebook page. Um, don't forget to check out the Western Mass Mutual Aid Coalition and our um, Out in the Open, the two interviews that we heard from today. And um, just to let everyone know, I'm sure people probably guessed it, but our um, Stand Up Fight Back conference will be postponed. We will reschedule, so stay tuned for that. Um, everyone stay healthy. All right. So I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in to Indigo Radio on the Brattleboro Community Radio Station 107.7 FM. Check out our Facebook page at Indigo Radio to listen to our shows and find links, photos, and other announcements. And now we're going to play the rest of that powerful song uh, by the Resistance Revival Chorus, Rich Man's House. <laughs> 